Tabloids are entertaining to people because they tend to tell exaggerated, misinformed stories about people. Whether they're true or not, a person will draw conclusions about what they've read. As we'll find in this teaching with Pastor Daniel, receiving half-truths about a situation and never seeking to find out the truth will always end badly. Haman was a man who used deception, but the king allowed himself to be manipulated. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Adversity and Provision. of the book of Esther boils down to one man's pride. Now, think about it in context. This man, Haman, is honored by the king, the strongest man in the world, right? Every time this guy, Haman, goes out into public, everybody bows down. This man is universally honored except for by one person. And he is so angry about the one person who won't bow down to him that now he devises an atrocity in his heart. Now, it'd be real easy to be like, oh, man, that Haman, I mean, yeah, just so sad. Except if we look in our own hearts, guess what? We do the same kind of stuff. Right? Everybody treats you great except for one person. And then everybody hates me. And you figure out how you're going to work them over, what you're going to do. Someone makes a decision you don't like. You feel dishonored. And then all of a sudden, your heart becomes an absolute scheming factory of evil. Now, maybe you're not as bad as Haman. Maybe you're not going to figure out a way to kill that person and all of their descendants and their bloodline. But when people feel dishonored, when people's pride gets pricked, you had to put a helmet on. And aren't we all that way? When one person doesn't honor you the way you think they should, the boxing gloves go on or come off, so to speak. You got to ask yourself, Where is your pride doing something that is deadly? We all have it. All of us have it. It's the universal human condition. Think about what Proverbs chapter 16, verses 18 and 19 says. Pride goes before destruction 
and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. It's been beautifully said. What's at the center of pride? I. P-R-I-D-E. I is at the center of pride. See, Haman is so angry because one man will not honor him. And all of this is an outgrowth of a guy who is so self-centered that he's willing to destroy an entire race of people because his ego is so fragile that he can't handle it. Every single one of us battles with pride. Every single one of us. There's not a non-prideful person. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of your prides plays itself out in this kind of self-assertive strength. I know, and I know, and I know, and you better listen to me. And others, it plays out in a, I don't know anything. Some people's pride is arrogant, and others is self-deprecating. The cross of Jesus Christ is God's solution to our pride. The cross of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus died, he took all of our pride upon. I mean, think about what your Bibles say. Pride is the antithesis of the life in the spirit. Life in the spirit. Esteem others higher than yourself. Pride says, no, esteem yourself higher than everybody else. Love is not self-seeking. Pride is always self-seeking. Love is patient. Pride is impatient. Love is kind. Pride is grumpy. And pride is deadly, my friends. How many of us have found ourselves in relational situations. Maybe it's just in our own heart, but this pride is festering because we didn't get what we wanted from somebody. Somebody didn't give us the thing that they were supposed to do. It's deadly, my friends. Not only for us, because the wages of sin is death, but pride will make us assassinate people's character. All sorts of things. I mean, it's just nuts sometimes. And for each one of us, oh wait, and don't miss the fact, in Proverbs chapter 6, it says the eight things that God hates, or seven things, what's the first one? A proud look. First one on the list. Proud look. Haman's mistake is pride. And don't miss the fact that Haman is universally honored. Do you guys ever see the TV commercial about the girl who thinks she's invisible? You guys see that one? It's a hysterical little commercial. Nobody notices her, and, and so she thinks no one sees her. You know, like, everybody sees Haman. When Haman walks into a room, everybody knows it. So it's not like nobody honors Haman. It's just one person. And isn't that part of the weirdness of the human condition? Your situation and my situation? Like, you're at work. Everybody thinks you're great except one person. And you're like, yeah, nobody likes me at my job. It's like, you can get a million compliments. You gals know what this is like. Hey, that's a great dress. One person's like, oh, that's not in your color wheel. (gasps) 
burn that dress. Isn't that how it is? Like we latch on to the one negative thing. I, listen, I get this all the time. I love that church. One person doesn't like something. Like everybody doesn't like it. The world, it's, you're ruining the place. It's like, no, it's just you. But I go home and I'm like, everybody, I'm just messing everything up. What am I doing? And then I remember, it's like you hear the one negative thing and, you, and that just eats your lunch for you. Ruins the joy. You know why? Because the one negative thing is a chink in our pride. Because let's be honest. Listen, all of us, you put on clothes today and you wanted you want someone to say, hey, that, that's a good look for you. Right? Even if your wife dressed you. Right? See, nobody wants to hear that it's not all perfect. That it's not just all the way there. And so it's amazing. Even though the positive things should prop up our ego, it's the one negative thing that really shows where our hearts are. And the beauty of this, my friends, is we're all grappling with this. It's not one of us or just a few of us. It's all of us. But we always have to realize that pride is deadly. And I always think of John Owen who said, you're either killing sin or sin is killing you. So we better get on the battle of trying to do battle in the spirit with our pride or else that stuff is going to overwhelm us like a flood. And you're going to live your whole life full of pride. And you're going to be plotting evil to make sure that your pride stands so, brothers and sisters, be careful. Pride's deadly. And all of this, all of this is because Mordecai is not going to bow down to Haman. He's not going to kiss the ring, so to speak. He's not going to do the dance. Everybody else, as Mordecai won't, sets off a series of events now. Pride is deadly. Now, look at what happens. Now, he expressly says he's so angry, he doesn't want to just kill Mordecai. He wants to kill all the Jewish people. That's where this lands. And that shows how irrational pride is. It's one thing to go to him and be like, no, listen, my name is Haman. The king says you need to pay me homage, and so why don't you? He doesn't have a conversation. He plots, I'm going to kill all of them, not just him. Why? Because maybe his whole race of people aren't going to do this, and he's going to infect them, and so we need to get rid of all of them. Cut them all off. Now look at what happens in verse 7. In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the 12th year of King Ahasuerus, they cast pur, that is, the lot, before Haman to determine the day and the month until it fell on the 12th month, which is the month of Adar. Verse 8, then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, there is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from all other people's, and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. If it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work to bring it into the king's treasuries. So the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamaditha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money and the people are given to you to do with them as seems good to you. So you see what goes on now. Haman decides that he's got a plan, right? They begin to cast lots. That's where the word 
Pur comes from. Now, Pur is important because by the time this is over, the Jewish people are going to celebrate the feast called Purim, which comes from the fact that Haman cast a lot in the first month of the year to decide when the day that they're going to kill all the Jews is. That's what's going on here. So literally, it's in the first month, and they end up in the 12th month. So there's a 11 and a half month window from the time the lot is cast to choose the day until the day is chosen, right? And so what happens is, is the lot is cast, he has the day, and then he goes to the king and he starts chatting the king up. Saying, king, you know, there's this group of people, they're different, their laws aren't like yours, they don't honor you. It's not fitting. So, so king, write a decree. Write a decree. And you notice what he does. Not only does he want the Jews to be killed, but he bribes the king with money. There's this number that you find in here. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing number, 10,000 talents of silver. Now, it's, a, it's impossible to know exactly what the measure is, but uh, scholars would tell you that a talent, you do the math, it's about 375 tons of silver. So uh, one estimate said it's the equivalent of two-thirds of the annual income of the entire Persian Empire. So... This man offers an exorbitant amount of money to the king to get rid of a group of people who he's just painted as a threat to his kingdom. And we find out that King Ahasuerus takes off his signet ring, which was the equivalent of his signature, his fingerprint, so to speak, and said, do what you got to do. What does this teach us? We learn from King Ahasuerus that you shouldn't make hasty decisions. Don't make hasty decisions. See, what we find here is that King Ahasuerus never asks any questions. He just hears Haman's story and he makes a decision. It makes sense. There's a lot of money involved. It seems like a good business decision. And he makes the decision. Now, what's interesting about not making a hasty decision is, don't we all do this? Oftentimes, we make decisions based on imperfect information, partial information. Now, you guys know that the other side of this is when you end up in analysis paralysis, right? Where you spend all time getting all the information and you can never make any decision, right? So it ends up killing you on both sides. But in this case, he doesn't do any extra work to find out who these people are, Why is Haman wanting to get rid of them? All that kind of stuff. And so it's a great principle and a lesson for us. King Ahasuerus, if you would have asked some questions, found out some information, maybe he would have made a different decision. You know, you you would hope that he would. But he makes a hasty decision. This reminds us of Proverbs 18, 13. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. That's a good proverb, isn't it? When you have an answer before you hear it. I mean, isn't that kind of an American cultural value at this point? Just having an answer for everything, you don't even know half the details, right? Like you you read an article on a news media outlet, which none of those things have a biased point of view, obviously. And you just like jump to a conclusion and before you know it, you're like, whoa. Now, 
Don't answer a matter before you hear it. And especially not the big decision. Now, don't get me wrong. It's like, I don't think God wants us to spend all of our time staring at uh, ingredients lists in the supermarket. You know what I mean? Like, because you could do that, right? Like, you can't ever enjoy anything because you have to get all the information. But don't make hasty decisions. And like, I'll be honest with you, I, I've had many experiences where I've had to make quick decisions. I've made decisions with imperfect information. Things come out later. And every time it happens, I'm always like, okay. You know what the other side of it is, though, my friends? Oftentimes, you think you have all the information, and you actually never ask, what's all the information? And I find that happens an awful lot, too. People think they know what's going on. They think they know all the details, but they've never asked, is this, is, is this information, is this, is this all that's there? Do you know what I find a lot of times? Like, I'll give you a great example of this. I remember when I was a kid, my parents made all sorts of decisions, and I didn't like many of them. Actually, I don't think I liked any of them. But what's the amazing thing is I wasn't a parent, I was a kid. Now as I'm a parent, you have a whole different vantage point on why, you're, why you make decisions, right? Like, I remember, I was on a soccer team, and they were going to play a tournament in London, and my parents were like, no, no, sorry, you can't go. It was the end of the world. Like, how could I not go play soccer in London? And I didn't even think about, well, to fly two people to London and hotel rooms and food. I'm going to drink a lot of tea, biscuits. It's like, that's not like a cheap endeavor when you have three kids, but it was just like, you don't, I didn't even think about all that was going on. I had a little bit of information. There was a soccer tournament and I was invited and I need to go. So listen, for your own life, don't make hasty decisions. When you're looking at someone else's decisions, you have to ask yourself, do I actually have all the information? And then you have to ask yourself, if I don't have all the information, am I ever actually going to get all the information? I'll never forget, like, as a pastor, this happens, because I realize that every decision you make, there's got all these implications. Pastor Bill said to me one time, he said, Daniel, you know what you're going to have to get used to? You're going to have to make decisions. No one's going to know all the information, and you're always going to be the bad guy. <laughs> I was like, thanks, bro. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. And if people are watching your life, Everyone's going to think they know what you're supposed to do, but almost nobody actually asks for all the information. They just assume. They hear a little piece, they assume. So for your life, don't answer a matter before you hear it. Don't make a hasty decision. If it's a big decision, take the time, if you have it, to ask good questions. And at the same time, when you're watching someone else, don't make a hasty decision about someone else's decision if you don't have all the information. Because oftentimes... There's much more to the story than anybody realizes. See, if King Ahasuerus would have asked the questions, this all wouldn't have gone on. If Haman didn't just act out in his pride and started to ask questions, he would realize that he was setting himself up for an absolute train wreck. But everyone's making hasty decisions. Again, it sets it all in motion. Look at verse 11, chapter 3. And the king said to Haman, the money and the people are given to you to do with them as seems good to you. 
Now look at what happens in verse 12. Then the king's scribes were called on the 13th day of the first month, and a decree was written according to all that Haman commanded to the king's satraps, to the governors who were over each province, to the officials of all people, to every province according to its script, and to every people in their language. In the name of King Ahasuerus, it is written and sealed with the king's signet ring. And the letters were sent by couriers into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is in the month of Adar, and to plunder their possessions. A copy of the documents was to be issued as law in every province, being published for all people, that they should be ready for that day. The couriers went out, hastened by the king's command, and the decree was proclaimed in Shushan, the citadel. So the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Shushan was perplexed. Now chapter 4, verse 1. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and a bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Now, what we have here is that Haman gets the okay from the king, and he goes on out and he brings together uh, the, the scribes, and they write this law, and they say, listen, in 12 months' time on this 13th day of Adar, all the Jews... Young and old, woman and child, all of them are annihilated and, notice, and their goods plundered. A lot of people say, well, how is that possible that Haman was going to pay that kind of money? Well, in his heart, he was going to take all their stuff too. Right? Go ahead and do it. And sure enough, they have the couriers. They're bringing this edict of destruction all throughout the empire. And notice when they hear it, everybody starts to get upset. We have this strange line at the end of verse 15. It says, so the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Sushan was perplexed. And that word is, means in confusion. They were vexed. And when the word makes it to Mordecai, he tears his clothes and he sits in sackcloth and ashes and goes about wailing in the city. What does this teach us? It teaches us that sometimes grieving is necessary. Sometimes grieving is necessary. It's, it's kind of a strange thing. Now, you notice I, don't, I didn't say grieving is always necessary. Because I think sometimes we get worked up about things that really aren't all that important. Jesus is real. Today, we were reminded of the consequences of a hasty decision. Never questioning whether you have all the information about a situation can lead to improper conclusions. 
The king relied on Haman's report, but he was deceiving the king for his own ends. God is doing some amazing things with Jesus is Real Radio. It's our vision to see Jesus is Real Radio on more radio stations worldwide and to help change lives across the globe. You can help see this vision come to life by sending a gift of any amount to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Again, to send a gift of any amount to Jesus is Real Radio, simply send your gift to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel, we'll come to the part of Esther's story where she has to make a life or death decision not only for herself, but for her people. The reason God chose her will be evident. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled, For Such a Time. Until then, may God bless. 